This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hey y'all, Bayou Bendis here. You've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how Payday can come every day by entering their contest with huge cash prizes up for grabs. This week is jam-packed with action ranging from basketball to golf and, of course, hockey. And DraftKings has plenty of ways for you to have a front-row seat in all of the action. Making a line on DraftKings adds excitement to every night and is simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. It's simple. Each player has a salary associated with drafting them. Assemble a lineup of players while staying under the salary cap and then sit back and watch your points pile up. DraftKings has paid over $7 billion to users across the sports. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there is no better place to get in on all of the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using the code THPN. New users will get a free entry with the first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit, only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for more. Hello, you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Mason Dixon, and this is Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. I'm joined here today, as always, and repetitively every Wednesday, I say this by the one, the only, the Bayou Benders. How are you, buddy? I love it. I'm doing okay. Um, I love when you say today and then pause. You sound like California surfer, dude. Like, (laughs) just a surf surfer. Today. Today. Shred. Dogtown, Z-Town, fucking. Today. I'm okay, dude. We out in the mountains and we're going to be shredding some gnar. Shredding some powder, powder, bro. Fucking gnar. Powder. No, I don't know. No, anything. but I don't know what that means. <laughs> oh, it's it's a ski term. I know it is. <clears throat> We're uh, recording this on Tuesday after a uh, pretty fucking disappointing night, if I gotta say so myself. Uh, and I, I honestly Tough. let's just jump right into it. Let yeah, let's just get into it. Because that was a dismal finish to a fucking awesome game. And I don't, I'm kind of speechless. Like it was horrible, just horrid. Um, For starters, the officiating in that game was dog shit. I don't think it's what cost us. I don't think it's what cost us the game. Far from it. But like when Suzuki's getting punched in the face, in center ice and blatantly right in front of the ref. Some of the calls, it was just the refs getting involved again bothers me. It will always bother me. Right. Like it's bullshit. I think we need some goddamn consistency because I have no idea what's a penalty anymore. I, I really don't. <laughs> I thought, I think we've taken some penalties where I was like, that wasn't a penalty. And I think we've, had some calls for us that I thought also weren't penalties. And now I'm just wish washing going, I don't know what goalie interference is. 
I don't know what a slash is. I don't know an illegal, what an illegal check is anymore because call it a hot take. I didn't think Tom Wilson's hit was that bad. I thought it was a penalty. I don't think it's seven game suspension worthy. If coming behind the net and elbowing KK in the face, isn't even a fucking minor. I don't think that's worthy of a suspension at all. So I don't know what the officiating has become, but it's fucking beer league. And we're not the only people on this network saying it, let alone in hockey. And I, I, we talk about it all the time. So it's kind of, you know, repetitive over and over again, but I really, I thought it would get better, but it just appears like it's not, it's really not improved since the season started. Yeah. It's been tough. Um, I mean, even beyond the refing last night, like, like you said, the refing really wasn't what caused this loss. It was just like the inability to, to find the back of the net. And that's just the easiest way to put it, but it's, we looked really good. We played phenomenal just about the entire night. Um, we really controlled the game, controlled the flow of it. We just about everybody on the team put forth a complete game. Um, it's just, you know, I think the players obviously feel it more, but just as, you know, just watching the game, that pressure of like seeing so many chances fall short and then going to, you know, all the way to the third period. Now that doubt is in our heads, like we're like, fuck, it's just, it just takes one, you know, it just takes one. And um, that's literally what happened. I mean, what it was 30, 40 seconds left in the game. And at that point, all you can do is sigh and then feel a relief that at least the way we've played tonight can get us into OT and at least we'll get one point because we're not going to win an OT and we're going to cover that in a second. But you know, to just dominate the entire game. Well, no, I don't think I don't see it as we earned one point. I see it as we lost a point. Because if we were Vancouver and we scored that goal with 40 seconds left in the goalie pulled, mm-hmm. by the way, the most Montreal goal to give up to a guy who hadn't scored in two fucking months <laughs> to take a clap bomb from beyond the face-off circle. Ridiculous. I'm sorry. Um I don't even want to point the finger, but like, how do you, how do you let that happen? How does, that I guess ben it would, Chirot. I guess it, it would be Ben Sherratt. It was Ben like, Sherratt. Ben Sherratt's been horrible lately. And I want to talk about that, but like, how do you not realize that? Like, why would you think swarming th- three on one and not think that, Hey, you know, one of their other fucking four players is, is gotta be on the, uh, on the opposite side. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. even 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 if you're like, okay, there's three guys, there's no way in hell he can get the puck passes. There's a chance that can happen, and then this dude's wide the fuck open. And Kerry Price, who played a pretty damn good game last night, got saved more than you know more than what we would consider luck, or you know, I guess you know, not being too nervous. Like the po- every post saved us, you know. So there was moments in this game where Kerry Price literally got beat. And we just had the lucky night. Like, why allow that luck to continue? Fuck, dude. Like, Yeah, I don't know. Just to kind of bring it back to what I was saying. Like, I don't see it as we – oh, we made overtime. We got the point. I feel like we lost the point. 
because we didn't score the game time goal. Vancouver got the point. Mm-hmm. They got two points. They didn't deserve any. And it's frustrating to not only end a shutout like that, but to then go on to lose in the shootout. And I think my opinion on the shootout has been made pretty well known. It's, it's frustrating. It's a skills competition that literally – I mean, if you do not have the momentum going into the shootout, I mean, it's not. A, it's the, I, don't I don't even. Think, I don't like flipping a coin. I don't like. I think it matters if you have the momentum going into the shootout. It means nothing. The shootout is pointless. It's not hockey. Why are we ending a hockey game without hockey? Right. And it doesn't matter though because most of the time we're not making it there because our team is zero seven in overtime. That's fucking ridiculous. And if you think, oh, it's not a big deal, that's seven points, it could be 14. Yeah. And especially in the division that Montreal is in right now, like seven extra points would be huge for us. We're tied with Winnipeg right now at 29 points apiece, right? If we had... Sorry, Winnipeg has 31 points. But if we had those seven points, so if we had those wins, we would have 36 points with two games in hand on the Toronto Maple Leafs. So we'd only need one win to tie them for first in the North Division. Now, obviously, we're not, like, realistically, you're probably not going to win that many. Okay, let's say we won four. We have four extra points. We're still in second. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's a difference between second and fourth right now for us, which is huge with games in hand, keep in mind. And it's just frustrating because this team should be good at three on three. We're skilled and we're fast. And it, I don't know, it just makes no sense to me. And another, an interesting stat, I don't know if it pays any part in this. Uh, we've only lost one overtime game at home and we've lost six of them on the road. Our road record is 6-1-6. and We've only lost one regulation game on the road. We have more overtime losses than we have regulation losses, Hmm. which is absurd. But I don't know. That's some – like, we talk about fixing the power play. Great. I think we've done a good job. Special teams, goaltending, all this stuff. Our overtime record needs to be talked about more as a huge concern because that is a lot of potential points we're giving up. No, I just um, – I know that, like, it's tough to, to really delve into that. I don't – how many how many have we had under Ducharme? Is this our first? Is, no, it's it's at least our second that I know of. I'm not sure. Um, off the top of my head, I know it's at least two because we had that talk a couple of days ago, and it's what I'm leading to, about how Ducharme pulled him to the side right before OT started, and he was just like – and I think it was against Winnipeg. He was like – you know, uh, going into it or leading into it, I'm sorry. He was like, you know, we've got to kind of calm down a bit, you know, control, tr- control ourselves, slow it down and which find, find the play, which they did. And granted, I mean, it looked like watching, you know, like the washer machine turn. We did like a spin cycle for just about the entirety of our possession in OT last night. But I feel like at least we're, adapting to Ducharme and what he wants to do 
And I mean, it seems like it's working, you know, uh, that night that he, he told us to kind of breathe and let, and let it come to us. I mean, we, we tried to shoot, we tried to give, give the puck to the lead man on a breakaway and it got intercepted. And then they scored within like five seconds of, of, of OT. So it was that greediness, you know, that, that really lost us that game. I feel like this one was the first one of really under Ducharme's new style. And I'm not upset with the way we went into OT. I'm not upset with the play of it. I think it still has a bit of learning to do, you know, mm-hmm. but I think that, I think our OT personally is going to get a bit better um, as under him. You, you just see moments in the game. Like we're not targeting just, kind of that that dump and chase so much anymore you see it with um with like last last night um Weber tried that risky move again that he that he did to help to target the puck uh in that 7-1 victory he tried it again and, and it was almost successful you know um okay sorry and uh to clarify just I was looking while you were speaking mm-hmm. we've lost three overtime games in our last five Okay. So in our last five, we have three losses, two wins. All our losses have been in overtime. And those are all under Ducharme. Okay. Well, (laughs) um, but I'm still going to stick by what I said. I still think that last night was the first time that it really looked like we were following this new direction. And, I mean, our, our power play has gotten better under Ducharme. And, I mean, granted, it was good before you know, our decline we went through in between now and the beginning of the season. I just, uh, I don't know. I want, I want to be positive. I want to stick to it. I think that, you know, it's, it sucks that we're getting forced into OT. It's not more or less us forcing the game into OT. We're getting, we're letting in a a, a fucked up goal like last night, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm just hoping that, that under Ducharme and his new his new ideals, his new way he wants to run it, that we can finally start. You know, you know, we we lose the the momentum, but we're we're able to regain composure and, and still end up with the W. I'm just, it sucks that we have literally the most OT losses, but at the same time, while they're still giving away, with you know your best friend calls the loser point, at least we're still taking that. You know. Granted, it would, like you said, 14 would look a hell of a lot better. But um, at least we're not just losing it. it. At least we're not losing our composure before the end of the fucking game. You know, I'd rather, yeah. I think well, we'd all rather fall to OT than fall in regulation. You know, I think that's a granted because you do get the point. <laughs> yeah. But I don't think it makes it any less frustrating, especially when you like, we deserved to win that game. Carey Price deserved to shut out, and we didn't get it. It was unfortunate. And I kind of want to backtrack a little bit to uh, – well, because our one and only goal was scored by Jeff Petrie, ninth of the season, leading defenseman in goals, tied for – or no, clearing away for second in away. by defenseman, having a fucking phenomenal – The Norris like, year. year. This is how we, we will fondly look back upon it. As the Norris year, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go there yet. I'm putting but, it there, dude. <laughs> um, and you know, we saw consistently 
that second power play unit kept coming out with Shea Weber. And the first power play we had, uh, they were out there for about a minute and a half. Face off, second unit, Petrie scored almost instantly. And then you'd think maybe Ducharme would rotate <laughs> second unit. Nope, first unit starts out there, Weber again. Um, I'm not upset with Ducharme. I think Ducharme's been great. I've loved the way the team has played. That second unit has been phenomenal. They are our best power play unit for sure. And what I'm getting at here is Weber and Sherratt are not working anymore. We see it in the power play. Mm-hmm. We see it in that last minute goal that Sherratt blew his coverage on. Weber f- was falling and flopping all over the ice there. He almost gave away a breakaway on the power play at one point. He can't, yep. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but especially on the power play, I've noticed his stick handling is suffering. He doesn't have a soft touch. He can't dance the blue line. Petrie can. And pair that with the fact that Sherratt has kind of, the last 10 games been kind of trash. And that pairing has been on the ice for quite a few goals against. I, I haven't looked at it and I couldn't tell you what it was, but it's not pretty. I just remember, um, our talks when we were in the bubble of how it was like so integral, you know, to have Sherratt, like when we lost the game because Sherratt went into the penalty box. Um, yeah. And he's and, been in the penalty it was, box a shit ton. Exactly. We, we've talked about this previously. He's leading the team in penalties, but I remember how we were so upset because we were like, fuck, that is our, you know, that is our PK captain basically, you know, at that time. And now it's like, it shifted. Like he's the default, you know, not to point a finger, like a, a, a high reason why we're in this in this position. And I don't know. I mean, like, so, you know, this could just be me being just myself. But like, who how do you split that? Like, I would. I feel like they're kind of stuck together because. the It's so it's so hard to explain with my uneducated southern mind but well i feel like you can't you can't separate edmondson and petrie i think that is no, literally our best them. fucking line you need they to need promote to be them. you're right you're right they need to be our first line at this point you need to but promote then, them and you need to put romanov on the top line with weber for at least a little bit okay be, or on the second pairing with weber at least for a little bit let weber get his mojo back give romanov some experience let Sherratt sort out whatever kind of funk he is because I'm not trying to make sure out a scapegoat like a lot of people on Habs Twitter have. Oh, they last night it was everywhere. If it if oh, it wasn't like if it wasn't someone while. making if it wasn't someone mocking uh Quinn Hughes, it was Sherratt. You know, it's just been a mm-hmm. Sherratt fest. And I like I like where you steered that too though. Um because in my mind I'm like how do how do you move this around? The second line is our godsend right now. And to be honest, the way that Shea Weber and Sherrod as a, as a pair has been performing, it even makes like Romanov's small mistakes and Jeff, I mean, uh, Brett Kulak look that much better. Like last night, like Kulak's like lay down on the play, saved our fucking life. And I think he did it twice. I think he did it twice last night. And Mm -hmm. I just feel like. I don't want to say the older guys are just slipping. That's not that's not the case, but it's like, how do you break those two up correctly without messing up 
what bit of rhythm we have because I, I truthfully feel like second and third line really aren't the problem. It's that first line. So how do we separate the first line without discombobulating? You're talking about, so you're talking about the defensive pairings, right? Yeah, defensive pairings. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, forgive, forgive my lack of, of correct usage. People are probably like, what the fuck, Corey? Jesus. Oh, I just wanted to clarify you weren't talking about the forwards. No. Um, I, I love how they have the forwards right now. Yeah, I do as well. I even think that simply swapping Romanov and Chirot, I'd go with that too, because maybe you don't want to touch Petrie at all. He's playing great right now. Leave him what he's doing. Allow him to continue where he at where he's at, right? Him and Edmondson have, have just been Yeah, just don't like I just step don't, brothers. Don't want to <laughs> just don't touch it kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. Um but yeah, something needs to be done. However, like people are going to overreact. I don't think it's the decline of Weber yet. I think he's fine. I think he's in a funk. He's at the age where if he has any sort of funk, everyone's going to freak out, especially with this fan base. But you just need to kind of move things around. When things aren't working, move them around a little bit. You know what I mean? It's not, it doesn't, you're, but I, as a coach, your job isn't to keep things stagnant. It's to tinker. You're right. And, and I feel, tinker all year. I just feel like, they're like, he's got such a prestige, such a pedigree, like they don't want to touch him. And at this point, it's like, I think he would rather move down to the second or, or get a new partner at this point just to change things up to, you know, get the team back on the right track. Like maybe this, maybe taking a little bit of, you know, his consistency away from him, his comfortability with Sherratt, that could have been a two-point night last night, you know. It should have been, and yeah, it hundred percent should have been. It's just, is it is it that they're afraid to to move these these top two? Because it, it sucks because like it's literally not a decline. Ben Sherratt can be one of the leaders when it comes to the penalty kill, but right now he's in a a, a penalty rut, you know. And I don't do. Are they just like? patiently just trying to outweigh the damage that's happening to to not mess with their defensive pairing you know lines or or do you just take it by the balls and just say hey look we need to make a change you know like we we, we are so close to you know to staying in a playoff position something has to be moved the forwards have been moved why not the defensemen yeah that's what i'm saying um i mean fuck bring mete in you know like Mete would, I think, would thrive in Ducharme's system. I'm surprised we haven't seen him yet. I think we will see him again. And I think when we do see him, like, don't be surprised if he's not, like, I remember that entire, the first game back, I was like, he is trying entirely way too hard. I'm not mad at that, but, like, this kid's trying to prove he deserves a spot on this team. So, yeah, he's going to go balls to the wall. He might, <laughs> he might look a little extra out there, but he's trying to earn his spot. And, you know, maybe – Maybe this defensive unit right now needs that, needs someone to – there's a bit of uncomfortableness, you know, like we're not playing to expectation. Cool. You might have to fucking sit a game and bring up a kid who's going to force himself to be in the game, you know? Yeah, definitely. I um, I also think that we need to highlight the play of Corey Perry the last few games. And the reason I bring this up is because last night – it's kind of funny the way he skates. I don't even know if you call it skating. He just kind of glides, mm -hmm. <laughs> but has the puck 
does a quick little move at what 36 37 years of age and like diving sprawling save post and out off a Toffoli shot and we've seen him do that a lot I didn't realize the mitts that this guy still possessed he's done that quite a few times this year taking guys and put them well okay I'm a soccer player and said put them on skates but <laughs> you know what I'm saying like just gone around them made them look silly and it's just I don't know I've just loved the way he's played he was a, played a big part in that Jeff Petrie snipe mm-hmm. screening the goalie fucking yapping at the refs before and after he was in the box he gets out the box he's still going at it you can still hear him on tv what the fuck was that and just brings an intensity brings a passion that i don't know i just think he's what a perfect signing at seven hundred thousand, a cap hit i think any team would love to have Corey perry and the offense that he's provided us, not necessarily always on the stat sheet, but just through creating chances, mm-hmm. opening up the plays, being in front of the net. Um, I just think he's proven invaluable. I think I think he deserves just as much as, you know, like when KK isn't on the stat sheet but has an incredible game, like Corey Perry is that secret player also, you know. And I think Corey Perry is thriving under this, I feel like there is a bit of a limelight on him, but like he is playing so much better, you know, on this fourth line than he, than he was playing in, in Anaheim, you know, towards the end. I just think that like a bit of that pressure is off of him. You know, he's, he doesn't have to be the man to make the play and people have almost, if some nights it feels like they forgot about him and then he just pops up and he just like explodes in Corey Perry fashion. And they're like, fuck, like, where'd he come from? I know. I think I get the sense that they kind of look at him and go, what the, what are you going to do, old man? They think he's washed. Dude, and then it's he like... out something that he would have done when he was 25. He's still got the mitts. They're silky smooth. And he, I don't know. He just, I, I, I it's come to the point. The reason I bring that up is because on that to fully play, I expected it. I finally, I was like, I wonder if he's going to make a move here. And he did. And I was mm-hmm. just like, wow, I, fucking love Corey Perry right now like I don't want him I I feel gross saying by the way (laughs) I can understand I can totally understand but like I have grown to love Corey Perry on this team to the point where like I, I want to continue to see him pass this year like I want to make room for him on this team past you know the the ability of a taxi squad you know that way we can hold him but He's like Angela with Dwight when, you know, like she just pops up. Like he's, I don't know how you could forget the worm, you know, but like every night he's just able to just like put himself in a position where it's just like, how did you not see him? How do you not expect him? Like you're, like you're saying, like you're, you're downplaying him to, oh, he's 35. He's lost it. You know, he's not, he's not the, the you know, the Anaheim fucking version of himself anymore and he's like yeah i still got it you know like it might not be as quick you know that's why i'm gliding into fashion but like this dude is still got it he no, he's just he's just still has it like it might be a, a dulled version but this dude is still fantastic like the thing i would say about that is i almost feel like and we're seeing with joe pavelski out in dallas 
players who never had speed and Corey Perry, you could, he was never accused of being fast. I feel like in a way they're adapting to this new NHL better because they weren't fast to begin with. Mm-hmm. So why like it doesn't affect them the game's increased in speed but Corey perry has always been slow mm-hmm. he's like i don't give a fuck i'm gonna run through you still i don't care and i think it's just made his ability same with jason spessa and thornton their ability to adapt almost maybe better because they're used to being the slowest guys on the ice so you'd think you know guys who played that power forward game they talk about, oh, they don't age well. Well, I think we're kind of seeing the contrary here because we're seeing three guys. I don't think Pavelski was ever really a power forward, so I'm going to disclude him here, but three guys in a deflection artist. Thornton, yeah, who made their game off of power, being big, grinding towards the net, mm-hmm. you know, getting dirty goals in the case of Spessa and Perry, but Thornton and passing, you know. Mm-hmm. and they've been successful and i don't i don't think it's any coincidence i think it's well one staying in great shape and being smart but two who cares if you're still if you're slow now you're always slow right it's not going to affect them at all right like the game evolved around them but at the same time like they they might not have gained speed but through all these years they've gotten better mentally and their their hand-eye coordination has never left them. Like, these guys are still here because if needed, if they have the right shot, it'll go in. You know, they yeah. have hands far beyond what their body is giving them in speed, you know? So it's like they find a way to get into a position, and if it gets to them, then it's almost a sold ticket. You know, they've they've worked their minds – as much as this game has developed into the fast, you know, the fast action it is now. And that's why someone like Corey Perry can still survive because (laughs) he he could just glide in and he's still got the hands. He's still got the, you know, the mental poise to get the job done. Yeah, definitely. Fucking pass, dude. (laughs) And to move on and kind of close it up, uh, big news in terms of expansion of the game and just hockey in general and the NHL and ESPN announcing that they've signed a seven-year agreement over the hockey rights in the U.S. And no, I don't think NBC has done a horrible job, but in terms of promoting the game and the growth of the game, this is huge for hockey. Uh, this is an absolute win. ESPN is going to grow the game so much more than NBC ever has or ever will. And I got to say, I'm personally pretty excited about this. I am too, because it's finally... I mean, in the U.S., this is the mecca. I mean, I don't even watch television that much anymore, but ESPN is the mecca for sports, you know, and the years that we've lost while not being a part of ESPN is really is really sad because, like, we, we spoke right before this. Like, we lost a big chunk of the golden eras of Ovechkin and Crosby and fucking Corey Perry and Patrick Kane and, you know, like, what we've grown up to, we're, we're getting the, the end of it, you know? And, yeah, the eras of the Austin Matthews and, and Connor McDavid and all that, that's fine. But it just sucks to lose – to have lost that. Like, when ESPN left, 
it was so hard to watch hockey because NBC, yeah, we still have it on NBC, but guess what? NBC is not a free channel for us. Like you'll get NBC, but that'll be, you know, sitcoms and shit like that. At least ESPN, I could turn that on and I might be able to watch a game in between, you know, their sports center shit, you know, like whatever their version of that is, you know, um, it's just tough that like we have to rebuild all of that. Plus like, ESPN now has to, I don't know how this shit works, but they have to go through the process of hiring all of these people that are going to promote it again, because the people that they have talking about it while it wasn't on the network was terrible. They didn't know they, they didn't cover it. They barely did. So, I mean, I, I don't see it as a bad thing though. You're talking about, Oh, they missed. And I think maybe some of that sadness comes from the fact that you wished you could have watched them. Yeah, this is this is just a, a U.S. a southern U.S. bias because, you know, granted, even but, when ESPN was showing it, I didn't get a chance to really watch that because it yeah, wasn't. Yeah, I I see it as an absolute win. I think this is a win caps, because this is going to grow. Salary cap is going to go up. The salary cap is going to go up. This is going to be a big TV deal. Um, ex- more exposure. It's just I don't think there are any negatives to this personally, no. unless you like NBC. But I think we're gonna we're, maybe we'll see a uh, fucking. Pierre Maguire, ESPN. Yeah, they're gonna have to fucking color commentate. Like I know what you mean about the hiring, <laughs> but I'm sure they'll have time. Hopefully, not no Pierre for you because that would be tough. But I have to wake up uh, Melrose, you know, like <laughs> oh Jesus. Um, but anyway, uh, I think that's gonna mostly wrap things up for today. Unless you had anything else to add. Um, I love I love the ESPN deal. I could rag on it, you know, but like that's not coming from. That's just me being spiteful for never having it down here. But ESPN is so big for us. This is going to grow the sport. I mean, it's one of the four of our, you know, our national, the biggest fucking sports. And we have nothing to do with ESPN. Therefore, no one, all the big sports fans that might like hockey have no coverage other than one deke. Oh, here's the top 10 deeks that span from, you know, a regular season you know, from October to uh, March, and that's it, Mm -hmm. you know, so I think this is huge, this is, uh, I'm sure, like, when I was a kid, I mean, shit, I can give you an example, Uh, we were painting the gym, because, you know, I was an, I was an artist in high school and stuff like that, we were painting the gym, and we were in the weight room painting, and ESPN was on, and my cousin, who's now a big-ass hockey fan, um, he saw a great ass, you know, a great play by, I think it was one of the devil's players at the time. And that kind of got him back into the game, you know, now imagine if we could have watched an entire game that day, instead of just a highlight of, of a night before, you know, the fact that we had lost it from ESPN, granted, we didn't have a lot of it in the South, but I'm sure there were a lot of people that really, miss it on ESPN and we've definitely have missed a mark not having it on ESPN. So this is nothing but a positive for, for the game, just like us getting back into the Olympics to grow the game, you know, uh, beyond where it's been seen before, you know, so I'm, I'm happy. Um, hopefully, hopefully I can get the package with the Disney plus to get ESPN plus and watch some fucking games. But uh, this is, this is awesome. I'm super excited. I had no real problems with NBC other than, I'd have to buy that fucking channel. 
you know, but kudos to ESPN and the NHL for hashing an agreement and getting back to where it should be. Yeah, definitely. And with that, that'll be the end of our show for today. Uh, thank you guys for stopping by and we'll be back with you on Monday. This has been Have Nightly. Please follow us at Have Nightly on Twitter and buy your vendors on Twitter. You guys have a great night. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. What's up, everybody? It's Jaren from the Hockey Podcast Network's newest show, the Windy City Benders Podcast. My co-host Tanner and I bring our unique takes on Blackhawks hockey. Us on the show have been a, a pro Carlton guy. For He's the right coach for the situation. Giving it to our rivals. That's one of the things that kind of sucks. I wish we would have had the Blues in our division this year because our trash. As well as bringing in some guests from the NHL. Please welcome to the show goaltender Scott Darling. The Eagle himself, Ed Belfort. Brian Bickle. David Boland. Letter Kenny. The, the show started out with uh, basically... A beer league hockey team. And anybody who loves the game. Find us on all your favorite podcast apps, the Hockey Podcast Network website, and on social media at WCB Podcasts.